Colter Nuanas from ESPN Montana here at the M Store. Proud to present our Nuanas Now podcast each and every day, available on all of your various podcast hosting platforms. One of their awesome partners, a guy that really is uh, helping spread the word about the M Store, is Grizz All American Junior Bergen. What's up, man? Thanks for coming in. Yes, thank you for having me. First of all, you got a cool t shirt. What's it like being on a t shirt? You're a kid from Billings, Montana, so that, yeah. might, that must be kind of surreal knowing there's a t shirt of you at the M Store. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, I went to a couple basketball games back home. And uh, I saw some kids running around with I their love shirt it. on. And it was really surreal. It was a cool moment, cool experience for sure. Uh, that's so cool. You guys do such a good job of embracing how much the community loves you. But when people are looking up to you like they do, I mean, they think, I mean, you're the man right now. for <laughs> <laughs> the University of Montana. What's yeah. that like being a Montana kid? Um, it's different for sure. Um, you know, growing up, you kind of look up to guys like who are in the NFL totally. and stuff like that. But, um, you know, it's just great to have a, a positive influence on these kids' lives. Um, you know, I just wanted to make sure... Uh, I set the example and lead by example and give them someone to look up to. Go check out the M Store. They're located there at the corner of Higgins and Broadway here in the city of Missoula. And you can also visit anytime online, MontanaMStore.com. They have all the latest and greatest, a whole bunch of original Grizz gear. And of course, they have Junior Bergen t-shirts. Junior Bergen, proud partner with the M Store, as well as us here at ESPN Montana. Thanks for swinging by, man. Yes, sir. Thank you for having me. The M Store, where they're all Grizz all the time. Blackfoot Communications is actively supporting the communities we serve across Montana and Idaho. We are installing hundreds of miles of fiber in our service territories, increasing the broadband experience in our rural communities. We are delivering remote workforce solutions for our business communities. We are creating new, innovative solutions for our local entrepreneurs and enterprise organizations. Learn how your company can benefit. Call today at 541-5000 or go to blackfootbusiness.com. Blackfoot Communications. Connect to more. It's time for Montana's only daily sports talk show. Nuanez Now. Watch the show statewide on SWX Montana Television. I like football! Just how many three-pointers can Steph Curry make tonight? I'll put the over-under about eight. Got a playoff spot on the line? That's all I want to see. That's must-see TV right there. Yet somehow, some way, people still hate on Steph Curry. It's wild. That's the main theme of the show today once Regime Seabrook gets here. It's Nuanas Now, 1029 ESPN Missoula. Statewide Television, SWX Montana TV. Want to check us out on YouTube? That's easy. N-U-A-N-E-Z. Just learn how to spell my last name and it'll take you everywhere. It'll take you to uh, the podcast. It'll take you to our YouTube channel. It'll take you any and everywhere you want to consume. Nuanez now. If you want to listen to it live on any of your mobile devices, your computer, your cell phone, tablet, whatever, go to the station website, 1029ESPN.com. You'll also find podcast tab there as well. And Tommy, we should actually, this is actually something, this is live brainstorming right now. We should get the yeah. YouTube link up on the uh, on the 1029 too. I think that'd be pretty easy to embed it on there. It's not there right now? Right, maybe not. I think you could probably figure that out, though. You, you could faster than me. I know that. Regardless, you can check us out on YouTube or the live stream, but 1029ESPN.com is a great place for your one-stop shop to figure out everything you need to know about ESPN Missoula. We got a lot to get to today. Several different interviews. We're going to start out with Freddie Banks. He's the defensive coordinator for the Montana State Bobcats. His debut here on Nuanez now. He's a young coach. Actually had this conversation a few days ago. So uh, enlightening, though, because I, I have been very... Skeptical is not the right word, but I've had a discerning eye about the coaching transition at Montana State. And part of that is just because I don't like to really make judgments on anything uh, until I have a, a pretty substantial observation um, catalog. And I've not got to watch Montana State under Brett Vegan and his coaching staff all but twice so far. So uh, still a lot to be determined, but these conversations are good and just in terms of hashing out philosophies and stuff like that. So we'll hear from Freddie Banks here uh, in just a few minutes. We also, it, we've been delaying this because I was out of town the first week of May and then we were busy when we got back. Regardless, each and every month we do a sports medicine journal where we take a common sports injury that requires a orthopedic remedy, some sort of orthopedic surgery usually, or some sort of orthopedic procedure or rehab, and we diagnose said injury and then talk about all the things it takes to come back from an injury like that. We do that with Dr. Michael Wright. He's an awesome orthopedic surgeon at Missoula Bone and Joint. 
It's absolutely, in my opinion, it's the most interesting segment we have on the air. I've covered sports for so long that I've always realized that injuries are such a huge part of the storyline. But what actually does it mean when you tear your ACL? What What is the procedure like to get that fixed? Why did it used to be a kiss of death and now it's not? So it's track season right now. The uh, Class AA State track meet is here in Missoula next weekend. And uh, so we're going to talk hamstrings and we're going to talk labral injuries for throwers, but mostly soft tissue injuries, specifically hamstrings when it comes to runners in our sports medicine journal. Uh, We'll do that here in... uh, We'll do that in the second hour. Razim's going to be here in a little while as well. And we're also going to hear from Deary Todd today. Deary Todd is a transfer from Michigan State uh, on his way to the University of Montana. I caught up with him earlier this week, so we'll talk a little bit about that. We're going to talk about Eastern Washington. Their president, their interim president, made a statement today. Not to bury the lead, the Eagles, he suggested, stay Division One. So that is actually newsworthy. There's been a lot of speculation over if Eastern dips down a division or not. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then it's NBA playoffs. It's my favorite time of year when it comes to the pro sports calendar. PGA Championship this weekend. NBA playoffs in full swing tonight. Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies play for the last seed in the West. It'll be the eighth seed in the West. So last night, the Wizards sewed up the eighth seed in the East. So uh, the Lakers are in as the seventh seed. Um, and the Celtics are in as the seventh seed in the East. And then the the uh, Wizards are in as the eighth seed in the East. And now, tonight, the Golden State Warriors and the Memphis Grizzlies play for that final playoff spot. So that'll be fun uh, to monitor all that as well. But like I said off the top of the show, Steph Curry must watch TV. He's having one of his greatest seasons of his career. He, you could make an argument, is the MVP of the league, yet he still has haters. LeBron James is not only one of the great athletes in the history of America, he's one of the most thoughtful. He's also fulfilled all the expectations we've bestowed upon him, yet he has haters. Kevin Durant, multiple-time finals MVP, a, a regular season MVP, objectively one of the great scorers of all time. Still got haters. Why? Regime and I are going to go through all that as well and talk extensively about the NBA. So we'll get to all that. But first, it is a Friday, which means you can stay up late. You need some extra caffeine. It was wonderful. Uh, Seeing our good friend JC, she works over at the Florence Coffee Company uh, right there on Palmer Street. But it's just so nice. This young gal, she's been making us our coffees for Fridays for years now. Uh, But for a while, I mean, more than a year, I haven't seen her face because of the masks. And now the mask gone. So it was great to see her. and really appreciate her, appreciate her barista skills, her always hooking up these triple shot ice Americanos that I drink here on Fridays. But we do this every Friday. It's a Florence Coffee Company Friday. No matter where you're at in Missoula, there's a Florence Coffee Company near you. So swing on by. You can stay up late tonight. So go get yourself a little Americano, maybe a little green iced tea, whatever you want. How's your How's your hot one? How come you do it hot? I I, I haven't. I'm I'm confused, Tommy. Why you have not listened to my wisdom? You you're here you're here for the the hit just like me yeah that's right. this isn't the taste or the aroma or this the the relaxation nope give me the beans give me the dang caffeine give me the caffeine this is why when I order the short triple or quad americano depending yeah. on the day or time yeah <clears throat> I say put a little ice in it see why don't you just I need get the it iced caffeine that's what I'm in get- the bloodstream that's what I'm getting at why don't you just get it iced like me I don't know so man. then you could just mainline it through a straw. <laughs> There's something weird about iced coffee where I drink some iced coffee and I might as well have the norovirus. I'm nauseous. I'm shaking. I can't function. That's interesting. That happened when I bought you a cold brew that one time, too. Yeah. See? You know about this. I bought Tommy a cold brew one time because this guy's the most impressive coffee drinker of all time. And impressive in general. And, and, and you spun <laughs> off the planet. You couldn't handle it. You were, like, shaking and sweating. I was like, wow. But here I am today, Coulter. Now, I never know if the SWX cameras can see the producer. Booth, but I'm sitting here. I'm on my second triple shot. I'm six shots of espresso He's got down. Two. I made He's a got pot of two. coffee in the back. I put it on the bold setting, and I had two cups of those, and I'm fine. I can drink Florence coffee all day, every day, all night. But as soon as it's the cold stuff, man, I'm out. That's that's interesting. I, there is some science behind that. Maybe we'll research that and uh, give a little update on that uh, here on Nuanas. Now it is 1029 ESPN Missoula or SWX Montana Television. If you want to call us or text us, do it. 361-3688. That's 361-3688. 
phenomenal engagement yesterday. I realized that I was so disappointed in all you listeners out there because we had this beautiful painting to give away, and you guys were so slow at submitting entries for it. But then I realized it was because I told you you had to write an essay, and ain't nobody want to do homework while they're listening to talk radio. And so then as soon as I, I you know, simplified it a little bit, it came pouring in. But yesterday we gave away about a dozen Osprey tickets, and we did it in about 30 minutes. So thanks so much for listening. Thanks so much for calling. Hope everybody enjoys uh, the Missoula Paddleheads game tomorrow. I did it again. We need to make it. We need to make a docket. I've called them the Osprey a million times. I'm going to keep having this Freudian slip. I apologize, but the Missoula Paddleheads, Missoula's minor league baseball team, they do begin their season tomorrow against the Great Falls Voyagers. It's not football season, but Montana State did wrap up spring football a couple weeks ago, and I was able to catch up with Montana State defensive coordinator Freddie Banks earlier this week about his first spring in Bozeman. Welcome out, welcome in. First year defensive coordinator for Montana State Bobcat football team, Freddie Banks, his team, they wrapped up spring ball oh, a couple weeks ago, and now it's sort of recruiting and, and getting everything ready for the fall and everything in between. Well, first and foremost, Coach, welcome to the show. We're happy to have you. How are you? Doing good. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you having me. First of all, just tell us first, on a personal level, what's the transition been like? Because you were at the uh, at Nevada Reno last, uh, last season, and now up from Reno to Bozeman, so uh, I know you have a wife. Remind me, though, do you have kids? Yep, so my wife, my wife's name is Candice. I've got two little ones, Dakota and Aeson. Dakota's six and Aeson is three, so they love it. It's a good transition. They like new places, meet new friends. And my wife loves the town. You know, first thing I saw when I got here was a Target. <laughs> the airport, so she's happy. <laughs> That's good. Well, what did you guys think of Reno? Because my family's actually, we, we spent some time when I was a kid in Nevada. We were living in small mining towns, but I spent a lot of time in Reno in my childhood. And then recently, the Big Sky Conference basketball tournament was in Reno, so we got to go back there at least once a year. And I always liked Reno. I thought Reno was a cool town, and I know a lot of our listeners, especially the ones a little bit older, Remember when Nevada Reno was in the Big Sky Conference, so it does have Big Sky Conference ties. But what did you think of life in Reno? What did you think of, of coaching uh, for the Wolfpack? Oh, it was it was a fun experience working for Coach Norvell and working for the defensive coordinator, Coach Ward, up there. They got a really good program, got a really good thing going. And uh, the town was great, you know, similar to Bozeman, where it's got everything you need. It's got everything, you know. There's a Costco, there's Walmart, there's places to go eat. There's enough things to do with the kids. Um, from that aspect, with the kids, my wife is like, man, there's even more, you know, soccer programs and, and things of that nature that, that's going to be good for our kids to experience. So we didn't really get to experience as much in Reno because we're there during COVID, but it's a really good town. For sure. Freddie Banks joining us, Montana State Defensive Coordinator. It's Nuanez now, 102.9 ESPN, as well as statewide television, SWX Montana TV. And coach, let's just talk about the program now you joined because you're taking uh, this defensive coordinator role on Brent Vegan's staff. Brent Vegan going to his first season as Montana State's head coach after getting hired just a couple months ago. But what do you think just so far of just your perception of the, the program that you guys inherit? Because you've been at some good ones in recent years, uh, namely North Dakota State where you played, but also Stephen F. Austin, Nichols, Midwestern State, all good programs in the Southland Conference as well at the FCS level. So just compare and contrast for us. What's your what's just your perspective on Montana State's program uh, as you guys take this thing over? One thing I guess you know, which is a part of the program, which is the support and the fans. I know that the support is going to be tremendous here. Um, I remember playing here in 2010, and um, the fans were not very happy with us, which is a good thing. Now that I'm sitting on the on the right side, <laughs> I'm a Bobcat, so. I know the support is tremendous. I mean, we had the spring game was sold out in about an hour, I believe. Um, and just going around town, as, as you just look, you see everybody with Bobcat girls. So we're the only show in town, and everybody loves it. And that's high expectations, but we're going to meet those expectations and hopefully exceed them. Um, so comparable to a lot of good programs, but they have their own niche. It's a tough blue-collar program where everybody works hard, everybody's humble. And uh, and that kind of fits Coach Vegan. I see why he got the job. So um, it'll be a, it, it's been a really good transition. We get to your relationship with Brett Vegan, but first we got to talk about your time. Like you mentioned, you have played at Bobcat Stadium. I mean, relatively recently, 2010, you were a starting corner for North Dakota State, and that was sort of the beginning of what's become. I mean, quite frankly, the greatest dynasty in the history of college football. But you were sort of on the front end. You played three years at NDSU, 2008 to 2010. 
And that 2010 game in Bozeman, that was sort of the launch point because North Dakota State came into Bobcat Stadium sort of an underdog, and Montana State was the Big Sky Conference champions, and NDSU wins that game going away. That was one of my first games when I first moved back to Montana covering the Bobcats, so I'll never forget that game. And uh, it was a statement win, and NDSU then since then has basically been unbeatable. I think you guys won a couple more games that year in the playoffs, and then since then, I think only North Dakota State's only lost eight games in the last nine years. But take us through just what it was like building that thing up and, and sort of what that moment was like when you guys did win in Bozeman. What did that do for the NDSU program? Oh, it was great. It was a great win that day, and it was really competitive. They were a really talented football team, but we ended up coming out winning the game. But I'll say this about North Dakota State is uh, similar to here, is that there's a, a history way back when, so yeah. I wouldn't say we built it up. Right, there right. was guys totally. that played way before us back in the 60s that built that program the same way here at Montana State. You know, I was just talking to a recruit today, and I said, there's a, there's a tradition here of winning that goes way back before we got here, and it's going to be here when we leave. And we're just we're just holding the torch right now. That was no different than in 2010. That's how they feel at North Dakota State, and that's how I feel here now. It's just my job to uphold the standard as a coordinator, and the players feel that same way. So there's there's history that goes way back when that have, that, that built that thing, and, and same thing here. No question. Freddie Banks joining us. He's a North Dakota State alum, but more importantly, Montana State's new defensive coordinator, and, uh, I mean, you're totally right. I mean, we would be totally remiss if, if we didn't talk about all the history of North Dakota State as well. I mean, you're talking about, I think, 15 Division II national championships before they moved up to Division One. So it's been a dominant program at whatever level they've been playing in for quite some time uh, for the Bison. Uh, Coach, one more question about your previous staff. I guess two more. First of all, uh, when you're at Nevada, I mean, what do you think of just the, the sort of the state of the Mountain West right now? Because it's, it's a competitive league. I know people around here really follow it a lot because a lot of the teams in the Mountain West, like Nevada, you know, Boise State, they used to be in the Big Sky Conference. Uh, so, I mean, what do you think of, of just the state of the Mountain West? What was it like competing in that league last year? Oh, it was really competitive. A lot of talented football players, a lot of really good football coaches that you went up against schematically. Um, recruiting was fun. Um, it was really competitive. And that league, Mountain West is going to be wide open. Um, I think Boise is always, you know, the top dog that you're chasing. They've got a new head coach, um, and they'll keep that thing rolling. But there's some some good teams. I think Nevada can be really good. They've got everybody that returns with, the, with some NFL talent on their roster. And Fresno can be really good. There's there's that's a talented league that was fun to coach, and uh, it challenges you every week. I know you're just down to the Big Sky. You've only you only pretty much seen your guys, but you did coach in the Southland for for a long time. You know, with three different at three different schools in the Southland, so. Uh, how big of a jump in talent, though, is it to the Mountain West? I mean, how much, how, how good are the players in the Mountain West compared to the Big Sky, or, or is the gap not as big as many people think? Well, where are you at in terms of talent gap? When I look at the film, and we've been studying the conference since I got here, just on what we're going to see and comparing it to our personnel, and schematically what we need to be prepared for, and just looking at it, it's, it's not a lot of, you know, it's not a lot of difference between the Big Sky and the Mountain West. I see the difference is the quarterback play is going to be a lot more consistent, I think, mm-hmm. from just from week to week. And then your front seven, you know, your front seven, and particularly your O-line and your D-line, are going to be a little more, you know, bigger and talented across the board. It's just depth. I mean, uh, you know, they're dealing with 85 scholarships where we're dealing with 63. So there is a depth factor. But when you look at the ones against the ones from a skill position standpoint, um, there's obviously some 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 bigger, faster guys in the Mountain West, but it's it's comparable. It's not a big, you know, not a major drop off. There's a lot of guys here that can be playing at For other sure. places, and we're glad they're here. For sure. I mean, I, I think of that all the time. I mean, Amandre Williams, Troy Anderson, Chase Benson. I mean, three guys on your front, I think, would absolutely be able to play anywhere in the Mountain West, right? Oh yeah, with, without a doubt. Let's not say that too loud now with the transfer. <laughs> no kidding. Well, the thing that I think you got that's a good thing is I think all three of those guys are pretty dedicated to Montana State, especially uh, the two Montana boys. I think those two guys, uh, they got some unfinished business. I think they want to make sure to take care of this next fall. Oh, yeah, without a doubt. Those guys are Bobcats through and through. They love it here. They're teaching me stuff that, that I'm, I'm still learning from them. So it's, it'll be exciting to coach them and get them through the fall and to see their sense of urgency to win for sure. Freddie Banks joining us. He's the defensive coordinator of Montana State. Recently hired, been on the job there for just a handful of months uh, as we get prepared for the 
2021 football season this upcoming fall. But, Coach, you just mentioned that element. I think that's a fascinating one as well. Uh, you know, you inherited a defense with a lot of really good players, but also a lot of old players, a lot of, a lot of senior talent on your defensive side of the ball. So uh, how much are you leaning on those guys? Because, I mean, there's some guys that have been around here for a long time, five or six years, that kind of know this program in and out. So uh, how are you kind of relying on those guys to teach you sort of some of the things about the program? Oh, yeah. They, you know, those guys are Bobcats all the way through. They've been here their whole careers. Um and they know some traditions and stuff. And first thing I get is we better beat the Grizz. So we better handle that game. And we're preparing for them in the summer to, to handle that game. And uh, we'll be ready for them. And just the way that they work and their leadership is important. The guys are leaders on the field and off the field. You can tell. You know, my first person, first person I talked to was Chase Minson when I got the job. This is the first person I called. Then the next person I got to meet, got to meet when I got on campus was Troy. And those guys were like the first guys at my door to beat up to beat. They wanted to see who this new guy is that's coming to, <laughs> to run our defense. And you can tell that they was like, all right, he's he's all right, he's good now. So uh, it was fun, and it's gonna be fun being with those guys. They're smart too. And we're doing a little bit things differently and changing some guys around a little bit. And they woke me with open arms. And I'm hoping that you know. And I told the guys this. I hope that when you come to a place like Montana State, that you don't come here and try to keep it the same. The goal is to make it better. Yep. So that's that's what we're trying to do, and they understand that. And they're perfect. You know, They're great guys, football guys. They love football. They love working. So it's a great relationship. Montana State wraps spring ball, Sunny Hall, and spring game on April 24th, so a couple weeks back. But the FCS playoffs for the spring season that Montana State did not participate in have been playing out the last couple weeks, culminating in Sam Houston State winning the national championship on Sunday. And, Coach, we mentioned it before in this interview, but you coached in the Southland for a long time at three different stops. And uh, so you, you, you battled with Sam Houston quite a bit. I mean, you were at Stephen F. Austin, which is Sam Houston's primary rival. Uh, so what are your what are your thoughts on just the Bearcats claiming this spring national championship? I've actually got a friend that works for the Bearcats. So I'm, you know, I called him and said congratulations. Um, so it was a good game. I mean, I don't have very many thoughts on it. There are two football, two good football teams, good playoffs. Guys played really well on both sides, and somebody had to come out of you know, a winner. So it was a, uh, it was a good game, it was good, good playoffs, and it showed. It really showed the FCS to the rest of the country that it's good football. I thought that was the biggest thing that that came of it. You know, getting national national uh, television on Sunday where there's nothing else going on. I thought that was the biggest thing that I that I took from it. But it was really good football. Excited for Sam Houston. It seems to me that um, Montana, who played two spring games, Montana State, who just did a normal spring ball, as you guys, you know, kind of implement some new schemes and things like that, both feel that they they feel very vindicated in their decision to not play this spring. I fully agree. I'm so glad that neither Montana school engaged in the spring season. That said, it was fun watching other teams play spring football. So, did, were you ever feeling? left out or like you wanted to be playing at that time or what do you think of just the decision you guys made because it seems like you guys got a lot of good work done the last couple of months well you know playing if you want to be good at something you got to play football so we you know i don't know that we gained as much as some of those other teams but they also some of those other teams that played in spring are going to be dealing with some injuries for sure when the, when the fall comes uh and then i know with us being a new staff you get that urge like man we could we could be playing right now but um well, I knew we wouldn't be ready with the new staff coming in. We would have got here, would have had two weeks to get ready to play games, and I don't think we would have put our best foot forward as a coaching staff, and I don't think we would have been able to put the players in the best position. So it was it was definitely the right decision. What sort of progress do you guys did make uh, during spring football in just terms of position battles, implementing new schemes, all of the above? Um, I guess from a big-picture standpoint, we just want to get guys – doing things over and over again, learning, or you got, you know, from Mike Becker, you got three techniques that you got to learn, you know, whether, you know, whatever that is. And you do that over and over again. So now you can play fast and our defensive ends are going to play three techniques. You're going to play five, you're going to play a six, and then, you know, you're going to play nine and that's it. So those guys get really, really good at those things, which is going to utilize that talent a little bit more. That's kind of philosophy of what we do. You know, um, make those guys do little so now we can focus on what the offense is doing 
And all right, now my plan to find technique, what type of block am I give you? We're going to be better for it, I think. Um, when it comes really to really honing in on those guys' techniques. When it comes to just the, the baseline, the basics of, of your defensive philosophies, what and who do you sort of draw from? Well, who are some of your mentors and what are some of your sort of uh, schools of thought when it comes to come calling defensive plays and coaching defensive football? You know, a couple guys that, you know, that, that have really mentored me my whole career and I've learned from as a player and a coach. Uh, it starts with, you know, Scotty Hazelton and Brian Ward. Brian Ward was a defensive coordinator um, at Nevada last year. He coached me at North Dakota State. Scotty Hazelton was a defensive coordinator now at Michigan State. He coached, he was a defensive coordinator at North Dakota State when I was playing. And, um, I mean, uh, Jake Dickert, who was a grad assistant, who's now the defensive coordinator at Wazoo. He had a big influence on me and somebody who I watched a lot, Gus Bradley. I watch his film a lot. I don't necessarily have a personal relationship with Gus Bradley, but he runs our system and I steal a lot from him. And I talked to Hazel Tan and those guys and just learn and kind of steal from him from afar and, and just see how they're doing things and adjustments that they're making. So um, there's a lot of guys that have influenced me and there's a system that we run and the family of coaches that we kind of speak the same language. And throughout my career, I went I went and worked in other systems and other defenses. <laughs> I haven't found a better way to do it. Um, better A better player system that allows your players to play fast. Um, so those guys have influenced me tremendously. Interesting connection to Bozeman as well for Gus Bradley. His brother, Kelly Bradley, was the uh, quarterback of Montana State's 1984 National Championships. I don't know if you knew that or not, oh, Coach, wow. but he does have – no, I didn't know that. Yeah, tell Vegan that because I know Vegan. Do- I think Vegan does know that because I think Vegan knows uh, Gus Bradley a little bit too. So mm-hmm. um, interesting. Well, let's talk about that element real quick, Coach. Before we get you out of here, I mean, tell about talk about your connections to Coach Vegan and how that sort of led you to Montana State and your first uh, Division One coordinator position. Well, I'll take you back to like 2011. Okay, so there was a grad assistant job at. Uh, at North Dakota State, and I was just getting into coaching. It was on the offensive side of the ball, and um, I kind of was working camp, and I kind of said, I mentioned to Coach, hey, Coach, you never, you know, you never called me about the grad assistant job. He says, well, Freddie, you got to you gotta say something. I would have I would have thought about it, and I was like, okay. So that kind of triggered in my mind for the rest of my career, that if you want something, if you think you're ready for it, then let the people know and let them make a decision. So I guess if you, uh, you know, rewind, Coach Beacon was the offensive coordinator at North Dakota State my whole time there. And uh, I always kept in contact with him. You know, I saw him, and I've always respected Coach Beacon because he's just so, you know, well thought out. And, you know, he's, a, he's really an offensive genius when it comes to offensive and the run game and coaching quarterbacks. So from afar, I've always admired how he handled himself. He's really professional. And, um, you know, I've seen him at the convention and always said hello and always stayed in contact. I went up to a clinic with Wyoming and saw him while he was up there. It was kind of cool seeing him when I was, you know, I'm still a young coach, but even when I was younger, he was, you know, I see you. He always encouraged me every time I saw him. You're doing a good job. Keep moving up. You're, I see you guys are playing well. So it was fun to see that he took notice of my path of my career. And after the Wyoming game, we played him last year in Nevada and, I didn't know if I should go over and say hello or not, but I'm like, man, there are guys that I've known since I was 18 years old. So I went over and say hello to them. We talked a little ball after the game, and, uh, and that was that. So when the job came open, you know, I remember in 2011 when he had a grad assistant job open at North Dakota State, that he said, well, you should have said something. So I texted him, and I knew his name came up, and I said, Coach, I'm, I'm ready to coordinate. You know, basically, I'll, you know, interview me, and I'll show you that I'm ready. And it came in, and he interviewed me, and I, and I showed him that I was ready, I guess, and he hired me. So now we got to do a great job in the fall and make him make his decision be perfect. And on that note, then, we'll get you out of here on this. There will there will be external high expectations for Montana State in the fall. I know you guys harbor high ones internally as well, but, I mean, just lay it out for us. What are your expectations for this team, and what do you need to do to get ready for that point uh, between now and then? There's a lot, of, a lot of man hours being spent getting ready for the fall. We could be on the call for a bunch of hours going into the details, but um, when I look at our defense um, and I look at who we are from a personnel standpoint and from a culture standpoint, 
my goal is to be the number one defense in the conference. Um, and that's that's pretty cut and dry. We want to stop the run. We want to eliminate explosives. And we want to be great on third down, getting after people that our guys lose. Um, so it's going to be fun. And, and, and our, our guys are ready for those expectations. And our staff understands what that is. And I understand it. So. And I think we can. That's not just um, talking. I think we can really be the number one defense in the conference. That's our goal. That's what we're going to be working for. And we have to do that. We got to have a great summer for what our players. Summer preparation. Their bodies need to need to change a little bit. Need to get in shape. We need to have a great fall camp, and then just have a great start to the season. I think we can do this. Freddie Banks, defensive coordinator for Montana State. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. I'm sure we'll catch up plenty in the fall, but between now and then, best of luck with every everything, and uh, hopefully we cross paths this summer. But in the meantime, be well. Appreciate you. Thanks for your time. TSA Defensive Coordinator. Listen to Nuanez now, 1029 ESPN Missoula, statewide SWX Montana Television. A whole bunch of good stuff to get to here in the rest of the show. Your main guy, Regime Seabrook, just rolled in. He's sitting here with me, so he's not looking quite as pretty as he was yesterday, uh, last week, sitting on this side. You, you had the, you had the white on white last week. You were doing your dance moves. You were looking good. I'm, I'm, I'm white on white today. I got the Air Force ones. You got the Air Force ones. You got the black vest, though. Kind of. <laughs> I'll take it off East Coast. One layer comes off. Holding you out. You gotta love it. We're gonna talk Derry Todd. We talked about him last week, but I caught up with him earlier this week. We also got our Sports Medicine Journal with Dr. Michael Wright. And we're going to talk about why is everybody such a hater? Keep it right here, 1029 ESPN Missoula. After a long couple of months, it's finally feeling like we're getting back to business as usual. But it's not the usual at all. At Missoula's Wingate, we are, as always, committed to giving you a relaxing stay at a great value. But we're also balancing the new guidelines, like maximum pool occupancies and increased disinfecting, to protect your health with a never-ending pledge to make you feel at home when you're not. If you find yourself on the road in the Missoula area, please consider staying with us at Missoula's Wingate. Montana. Happy Friday. Hope everybody's got great weekend plans. Don't be deterred by the weather. The weather in Montana always sucks. Just go be outside. It's all good. It'll be all good, I promise you. Nuana is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. Maybe watching in SWX Montana Television. You can also watch in on the YouTube. Just go N U A N E Z. That'll get you there. Please subscribe to our YouTube channel. Tommy's got a great uh, graphics package going right now. It's, it's interactive, it's super fun. If you want to interact with us, 406 361 3688. That's 361 3688. Last week we did the show, it was interesting because I was 600 miles away from here. So you were back in the studio, I was here. And uh, it, it's, you know, it, it's one thing to interview people via the phone or via the Zoom or whatever. But it's totally different when you're doing an actual interactive conversational talk radio show. Because if I can't see you and you can't see me, we have no idea. Like, we can't feel each other. We don't know who's talking, whatever. So it was a little weird. But uh, it, it was fun, though, too, to kind of do the experiment from, from abroad, right? Well, like, when I, I actually, I went back and I rewatched it. And, oh, yeah, okay. and for the fact that we were separated by two states, several hundred miles, and, and some not a time zone, almost a time zone, the fact that we pulled it off buddy like that's 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 nino brown new jack city stuff right there you know what i'm saying smooth and that's all makes radio fun too and that's why i love working with our guys tommy and reese because they can hook this up and they can make it so that we can take this show on the road and be at home at the same time so uh super fun to do all that stuff but one thing we talked about Derry todd last week he is a defensive lineman transfers coming to the university of montana we're going to hear from him in just a minute i i caught up with Derry earlier this week um but you mentioned kind of in passing that your dad played football at Michigan State. I didn't realize this. Yeah, he played. So uh, this was in what, like the 60s or 70s? The, well, don't date me, brother. 
He's a Jesus. <laughs> people are over there doing the math. I know I look a little younger than I am, but no, this was the, the early 70s. Uh, he played there for one year, and then uh, after that year, this little, this, what, back in the day, I was a little guy. Um, I came along and interrupted that career. So, uh, yeah, um, he's what was called and referred to back then as a nose guard. Hey, like, you don't hear that term anymore. Um, and also played a little bit of defensive end, um, but mostly, mostly on the interior line. And, yeah, so that was the claim to fame and had some other uncles go to Michigan State and some uh, extended family members as well. So, yeah, the, the green and white and the Spartan creed uh, exist deep in these roots. My mother wanted me to let you know that my great-grandfather, I had no idea until she, you had mentioned you went to Columbia, my great-grandfather played fullback at Columbia. Oh! Way back in the day. It's like early 1900s. We're talking like 1910s. Leatherhead style. Yeah, yeah. I yeah. like that. Well, yeah. first of all, dude, I need to meet moms because she, she sent me some love on the show the other day. Oh, and, nice. And, and then uh, you showed that text to me and I just I just think if this is the offspring, then mom's mom's got to be on point. So, oh, oh, yes. Mrs. Oh, yes. Nuanez, I look forward. It'll be both a pleasure and an honor. I'm going to preface that right now. I appreciate it, man. Let's hear from Deary Todd real quick, and then we'll talk a little bit more about this commitment. I do think it's a good one and a big one for the University of Montana. I caught up with Montana's new defensive lineman, Deary Todd, earlier this week. Well, happy now. Welcome in. First-time guest on this show, hopefully one of many times. He's the newest member of the University of Montana football team, Deary Todd. He's a defensive lineman, transferred from Michigan State, makes his home right now for a brief moment in time in Ohio before he makes his way to Montana. Diary, thanks so much for joining us. How are you? I'm good, you? Good, man. We're really excited to have you. And uh, as you will learn, I'm sure you've already sort of gained some knowledge. Grizz football in the state of Montana, pretty big deal. So first of all, just tell us about the Grizz in general. When did they first land on your radar? And uh, how did this uh, this transfer your recruitment to Montana play out? Um, it played out... Um um, it went like real smooth, honestly. Um, Montana, they like hit me up like after like I was I was in the portal, I think for two days, and then um, they contacted me like on Twitter, and then um, you know they were uh, very relentless like in their approach. That's why I ultimately uh, came here. So I'm happy to be here. Who are the main coaches that were recruiting you from Montana? Uh, it was Coach Sachs, but I also I talked to the head coach as well, and then I talked uh, also to like the defensive staff as well. Well, first of all, tell us about what you think of Coach Sachs because he is a uh, he's a ball of energy. He's a pretty funny guy, pretty fun to be yeah, around. So, what are your impressions yeah. of Coach Sachs? I agree. He is a ball of energy, man. He called me like every day, so um, I'm hearing from him, and like, dude, he is funny. So it's good to be around him. And hear his voice, so I'm looking forward to it. I think you might call everybody every day because I think he's always on the <laughs> phone all the time. He's so funny. Yeah, Whenever you see him around phone, town, man. he's always on the phone, but he'll take it, take, put the phone down. He'll start talking to you. He starts talking to somebody else. He's a mile a minute, man. He, was, yeah. he must be. He must be excited though to play for a guy with that level of energy. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. For sure. Well, tell us about these last couple of years at Michigan State. I know they're probably not as much playing time as you might have wanted, but it looks like you got the job done in the classroom in a big way, academic All-Big Ten, three years in a row. But just spending four years at a program like Michigan State, I mean, that's one of the best programs in the country, certainly amongst the top programs in the Big Ten. So uh, what did you learn, just sort of going through the day-to-day and, and being a Spartan for these last four years? Um, I learned a lot, um, honestly, up there. You know, I learned how to, you know, practice, you know, uh, these past, this past year and a half, uh, you know, like having like, um, having, having like a new staff, you know, like, you know, like it opened up a lot to where like I learned like how to practice like a pro. Um, so now I'm going to bring that, um, up to Montana. One of the hardest things that I think guys go through, especially in the power five, when there is a coaching change, I know Mel Tucker comes with a lot of, uh, a high regard uh, amongst the coaching business, but it probably was a, a tough change when Mark D'Antonio left and, and Coach Tucker took over. So wh- what did you think? I mean, how did that affect just, just, just you in general and, and your status at Michigan State? Um, It didn't. I mean, like, honestly, like for me, I saw it as like a clean slate, honestly, because um, basically, you know, like I didn't play like under um, D'Antonio, but I felt like, but, like, I felt like I could have played. It wasn't my time yet. And, you know, I was playing behind guys who, 
who were like all Americans as well. So, you know, I saw it like as an opportunity and, um, you know, like, um, I was there for like a year, like under Tucker, but then I was like, you know what, um, it, it was best that like I leave like after I graduate. So now I got, uh, two years left. So, um, you know, I'm looking forward to it up in Montana. Derry Todd joining us. He's a defensive lineman. Newest Montana Grizzly, formerly of Michigan State, but now on his way to the University of Montana. And, Darry, you mentioned that element, the fact that you've earned your degree. So, first of all, congratulations on that. It's no easy task. Uh, so, it. good job by you. But now I know that this COVID year has been – it's been terrible for everybody. I mean, it's been weird. It's been odd. It's been hard to deal with. But – you get this extra year now, too. So you're a grad transfer now that has two years to play. So uh, how exciting is that for you, and how much of a priority then did you want on to put on finding somewhere where you where you could get on the field and have success? That was a huge factor, uh, honestly, because, you know, like I didn't come to like a school like to like sit down or like watch anymore, you know, like, you know, like I'm trying to make an impact like on the field and off the field, you know, I'm trying to come in and, you know, you know, like have an impact on like, the community out there as well. So that was big. Um, I feel like I can come up to Montana and I can just, um, I feel like I can, I can come in, I can earn a spot and then go from there. So I think the, you know, like having COVID is like a bad thing, but like at the same time, it's like, you know, like it's a blessing because I have, now I have, you know, like two years left, so. It's a blessing, you know. Jared Todd, joining us, newest Montana Grizz defensive lineman. Tell us about Montana. What sort of things did Coach Sachs and, and head coach Bobby Houck and everybody that recruited you, what sort of things did they tell you about Montana that you liked? Um, I liked how they said, uh, basically, you know, the first thing that first thing that, that got me, it was like the fans, um, you know, like I'm, 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 I'm like kind of used to like fans a lot. So I heard that like, um, Fans are like uh, fans are up there. Like they are passionate fans up there. So um, you know, like um, I'm looking forward to that part. So the fans, and then also just the football um, up there. You know, like having like a conference where like it's uh, you know competitive. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. Those two no doubt, the passion for, for the sure. football appears. Is big time. You know, everybody always talks about passion for football in Texas and Ohio, and it's it's like that in Montana. There's not as many people, but people out here definitely love football for sure. Did you have any knowledge of Montana at all before they first started recruiting you here a little while back? No, sir. I did not have any knowledge of Montana. Not at all. Have you been to Montana yet? Never. I've never been there. Well, that'll be fascinating. When do you plan on moving out here? I'll be flying out there um, June 2nd. So pretty soon, a couple weeks here. Diari Todd joining yeah. us. He is a defensive line transfer from Michigan State, joins the University of Montana, and he'll be here in the next couple weeks. I always ask guys from out of state, and I'll tell you this. First of all, this comes with a precursor. You're going to love a lot, a, a lot about Montana that you never thought you were going to love. It's a, Missoula is a sweet mm-hmm. town. It's a great college town. You're going to have a lot of fun. But first and foremost, what do you think Montana is going to be like since you've never been here before? Kind of done, you know, like research, but I saw that, like, you know, like uh, up there, like it's a lot of mountains up there. So, but then also I heard, like, it's cold out there too, which I'm kind of like kind of used to, but I heard, like, up there, though, like up there, like it's like a different code. So we'll see. But, I'm looking forward to, like, the nature, like, aspect of it. Tell us about yourself as a football player. I know that you listed as defensive lineman. I know you've had a lot of experience at defensive end, but Montana's running this system where sort of an odd man front, three three down lineman most of the time. So do you uh-huh. see yourself as sort of a strong defensive end or a 3-4 defensive end, or can you play on the inside? What what are sort of your strengths as a football player? Um, I can play all spots, like on a D-line, but um, up at Montana they told me that I'm going to play in. But, um... You know, like I can play like all spots, um, so um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I feel like I can play um, inside or 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 outside. Um, you know, I'm comfortable. I got both because I played D tackle my first three years at a state, and then now my past two years I moved over to end, which is my natural spot. So I'm looking forward to it though. So I'm just. Honestly, you know, I'm just going to do what's best for for us um, as a team so I can play um, all spots. So 
Well, that's excellent to hear. We well, we appreciate you taking the time today, Dr. Just we'll get you out here on this. What what are you most excited about? I mean, what what is the most exciting part to you about this new opportunity with the Grizz? Uh, the most exciting part is just having a clean slate. You know, um, I feel like I can come in and I can make an impact um, on and off the field. And I feel like once I get there, um, you know, like it's going to be all gas. So basically, I'm coming in there and i got and you know like i have something to prove so we'll be exciting to watch you we'll we'll be uh look forward to meeting you when you get into town but in the meantime best of luck with everything diari todd former michigan state spartan now newest montana grizzly defensive lineman moving to montana here in a couple weeks in the meantime man thanks so much for the time today best of luck with the rest of your summer and uh, we'll catch up with you soon yes sir thank you reactions on diari todd his transfer to montana as well as What's next for Eastern Washington's athletic department? Nuana is now 102.9 ESPN Missoula. Sportsbet Montana is powered by the Montana Lottery. Join in on the excitement for Sportsbet Montana by betting on your favorite sports and teams, both collegially and professionally. There are multiple ways to bet, including in-game, which gets you into the action live as the game unfolds, and parlay betting, where you could have a chance to win big. Sports Bet Montana, a secure and interactive way to win while watching your favorite sports. Bets can be placed securely on the mobile app while at an authorized Sports Bet Montana location or by using the Sports Bet Montana kiosk located at approved vendors. Montana bettors have wagered more than $28 million since Sports Bet Montana launched almost a year ago, and in that time, bettors have won more than $25 million. Sports Bet Montana's retail partners have more than $1.7 million in commission. Head on down to your authorized Sports Bet Montana locations and get in on the fun today. Statewide on SWX Montana Television. Where's the music? 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 If we renamed this show, which we've already done five times, I think our boss would kill us if we did it again. But it was about music instead of sports. What would we call it? You would call it uh, ooh, Coulter's Terrible Opinions? A, I'm a little dumbfounded. It doesn't happen very right? often. Right? I don't know, man. I don't either. Reg- I'll, I'll, I don't know. I'm going to take it a page out of the Beastie Boys, one of their best remastered albums. I would call it the In Sound from Way Out <laughs> with Nuanez and Seabrook. I Let's like go. That. I like that. Any the- ideas, Thomas? Any ideas what we might call this uh, music review show? That we're- I'd call it Coulter's Poor Choices. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not going to ask you if you did your homework because uh, I know you didn't. So we'll talk about that next week. But I gave Tommy a, a list of uh, some Bruce Springsteen he needed to listen to. So we'll see see what he thinks about the boss on the other side. Are you a boss guy? Buddy, let's go. Because that's like... that's that's He's a tri-state area say, hero. He's from your yeah, he's from my neck of the woods. Like him, Billy Joel, like there's just Blondie, there's just certain hometown, Jay-Z, like you just, they're hometown heroes. For sure. Nuan is now 1029 ESPN Missoula. SWX Montana Television Regime Seabrook is in studio with me, Coulter Nuanez, talking all things pop culture, also a little bit of sports as well. Uh, sorry we didn't get you involved as much in the beginning of the show. You were you were coming in a little bit after we got started, and I had some interviews to get through, and here we are. Buddy, we're good. I, I was... I was having a good afternoon. Okay. It gave me another 30 minutes to hang out with, with a friend, and uh, buddy... I'm copacetic, straight as an arrow, and even better than that, straight as 6 o'clock. And it's Friday, so let's go. I love it. Gotta love it. Um, it is interesting. I was explaining to Tommy why Bruce Springsteen is so relevant, because he came of age and became famous at a time when America was in this complete state of economic turmoil, and he was sort of the everyman, right, the working class guy. And then he had this reiteration where he became like this rock star that was almost a pop star in the early '80s. And then he, oh, he was, he was, he was huge. And man. then he came back around, you know, and, yeah. and went back to his folk roots. So, Tommy, next week we'll talk a little bit more Bruce Springsteen. 
couple things we got to get to. Uh, first of all, you heard from Derry Todd in the last segment. We talked a little bit about him last week, but um, this kid on one hand has not played any snaps of college football, but he has been practicing at the Big Ten level for the last four years. I also think it's interesting because he's going to have not one but two years left of eligibility because he's a graduate transfer, but he gets an extra year because of the COVID year. And so just comparing and contrasting, we talked about this last week. Sometimes guys that come in from the Power Five think they're going to dominate this level. They need to realize they'll be humbled quickly if they have that perception. But on the other hand, if you've been practicing for Mark D'Antonio or in the last year's case, Mel Tucker, you've played for a couple of elite coaches, and so you know the ins and outs, and you've probably been going against you know all-conference caliber players at the Big Ten level during practice. So what do you think of maybe the impact? I know you haven't really seen this guy play. He hasn't played any real substantial football since high school, but it's a, it's a position of need certainly for Montana. Mm-hmm. I mean, what sort of, I mean, how much do you think practicing at the Big Ten level can help a guy as he acclimates to the big sky level? Well, I, I, think, I think it's huge. You're talking about a kid that who originally committed to Boston College and then eventually uh, ended up in East Lansing in Mich- at Michigan State. Go Sparta. Uh, I, I, th- I think that what he brings to the table, although not a lot of playing experience, he brings a, a experience within the culture of a big program. The expectations of winning, the expectations of being part of a program that is bigger than yourself. And when you're talking about Michigan State, you know, they're not USC, they're not the U, but they are of that nature of that's a big time program and you are you are dealing with the best of the best athletes uh athletic directors uh trainers so you are part of a culture and part of a system that is is it's top notch so i expect that to trans hopefully i'm expecting that to translate well uh for us here at the university of montana and more bodies can't hurt you and uh, the fact that he'll be able to acclimate to not only just on the field, but the culture of the program over the next couple of years, I think, is a bonus as well. A couple pieces of news from around the big sky. There was five, at one point, there was five head coaching openings in the women's basketball ranks in the Big Sky Conference. And they've now all been filled. Jody Gleason has been named the next head coach at Eastern Washington. That was the last... Um, Staff opening for the for the Big Sky Conference. There was head coach openings at one point: Portland State, Sacramento State, Northern Colorado, Montana, and Eastern Washington. Now they've all been filled. There has been this mass exodus from Eastern Washington in men's and women's basketball players, as well as coaches. Mm-hmm. Shate Leggins from the men's basketball program left for the University of Portland after he took Eastern to the NCAA tournament. Wendy Shuler, the longest tenured in the big coach in the Big State Conference on the women's basketball side, was abruptly fired. I thought that was a, a, a poor a poor display of PR because when you have somebody that's been the head coach for 20 years, you should just find a way to make the, the announcement be that she retired or resigned. Yeah. You don't have to fire her. Even if you're going to get rid of her, that'd be like firing Pat Summerall. That's right. Like, like just, you just don't do that. Have a little let class. Retire. Like, yeah, man. Just say, hey, it's it's not. We're not going to give you a contract Mm-mm. renewal, but we're going to announce this that you're retiring yep. or resigning or whatever it might be. So, regardless, um, I was very curious if a lot of the the player exodus from Eastern Washington, eight players on the men's basketball team, ten on the women's basketball team, had something to do with the brewing narrative around the university and the athletic department, which has been the financial peril that Eastern Washington Athletics has been in. Over the last 10 years, Eastern has been the premier program in the Big Sky Conference in football. They've also advanced to three NCAA tournaments in men's basketball. That has not garnered much, if any, increase in revenue production, and they still remain, I believe, one of, if not the most subsidized athletic department in the Big Sky Conference. What does that mean? That means... Upwards of 80 to 85% of their athletic department budget comes from the state. It's coming from student activity fees or some sort of subsidization from the state. The reason this is perilous is if you are getting subsidized on an 80 to 85% level and you're losing all the time, but you still are making, you're still generating revenue because you have a high student enrollment and therefore you have a high student athletic fee that then goes to your athletic department. That's sustainable business, even if you suck at sports. Mm-hmm. The peril that Eastern Washington has faced is they can't really be much better at the biggest revenue-generating sports that exist in the big sky, yet they haven't made any traction in their state subsidization or becoming more, quote-unquote, sustainable. This has then resulted in... Uh, Timeout. Then there's the other side of the coin where on the academic side, Eastern Washington's enrollment has been dropping. They have been making budget cuts across campus to various programs. And so naturally, the faculty 
and all the academic people on campus are saying, well, if you're cutting from us because we're incrementally losing students, but you're not cutting from this entity that is completely non-self-sustainable, what gives? And so this has come then to multiple third-party studies about the university. What's the viability of Division One athletics at Eastern Washington University? And, it, and this has come to a head then where the um, interim president today was set to make an announcement. And there was a lot of speculation that he was going to announce that Eastern Washington was going to either drop football or move to Division Two. I thought a lot of this scuttle over the last six months was very, very, uh, was an implication of why a lot of these athletes and coaches left. Well, today, the interim president said that his suggestion would be that Eastern Washington remains Division I and remains playing in the FCS. So I think for people in Montana, that's actually very good news. I think Eastern Washington's a great rival. I don't think Montana and Montana State fans should be concerned about the uh, economic status of Eastern Washington's athletic department. But I also find it very fascinating because I've heard from so many people over the last six months that have asked me, why is Eastern Washington in so much trouble? They've been better than the Grizz. They've been better than the Cats. And that's the whole issue is if you have been better than the Grizz and the Cats, yet you, the Grizz are, are subsidized at about a 35 to 40% level. The Cats about 45 to 50%. So if you are a full third of your budget behind those two schools, even though you've been that good, that's the whole issue. Again, it's even better to be bad and wasting money than it is to be good and still not making any money. Yeah, this is when both hands, do. unfortunately, do not wash the other. Um, it's it's a quandary because when you look at how and why and you look at the inner machinations of it, it doesn't make any sense. Uh, of course, Montanans, uh, both here in Missoula and over in Bozeman, we want Eastern Washington because outside of outside of, uh, outside of Bozeman for us, that's like I, what I feel is our biggest rival in the big sky. Uh, oh, sure. Within that... Uh, we shouldn't be concerned about the economic impact, but we should be concerned because that impacts us culturally, socially, and on our schedule. Like, that is such a big game for and sure. something that we get up for. I guess for me, the concern is anytime that the government is subsidized, the government's kind of like the Dow in the stock market. Like, you are in constant flux. So how do you how do you plan? How do you prepare? How do you get scholarships ready? Like, going down the road, this is good for, you know, for the big sky for the next year, for, for the season. But sure. what's the longevity? What's the long-term plan? Like, you're talking about young kids kids who are thinking about coming here in the next couple of years and then they're going to get you know the carpet taken you know the rug uh, pulled out from under them it's not sustainable and in this society of sustainability and longevity eastern washington is skating on ice and it's 90 degrees outside and that's the whole issue here too is it's not as if eastern is even the most subsidized football program in the in the conference or that this is a complete outlier you have schools like sacramento state uc davis cal poly northern arizona all four of those schools I just named have student enrollment, undergraduate enrollments of close to, if not upwards, of 30,000 students. Mm-hmm. Uh, in UC Davis's case, it's almost 40,000 students. They have significant student athletic fees. So they're making millions and millions of dollars just from kids going... Off the student body. The athletic department is making millions of dollars, not making, generating revenue. Right, right. So the subsidization is not actually coming from the state. It's directly coming from the the student body, basically. Mm -hmm. And, but that's why it it calls into question the, the broader, the broader big picture question, which is what does athletics mean to a college campus? Because some would argue football, basketball, those are essential to having a vibrant campus community. Those are essential to bringing minority students to your campus in Cheney, Washington. How else are you going to do that? That's a big question mark. Obviously Mm -hmm. there's academic draws and things like that, but it is a way to do it. Um, But, Schools like UC Davis and Cal Poly have an easy decision to make because they can say, well, it does, first of all, we're paying for it through student athletic fees, but also it does enhance our campus culture. And now Eastern has this argument where, well, if our enrollment's dipping, does it enhance campus culture? And that's where the slippery slope exists. And I really hope they don't make a rash decision because of the financial peril that there is. Yeah, Eastern Washington also, I mean, and I know every state, every region has, you know, multiple colleges. Eastern Washington is also like social geographically in a tough spot. Like you're you're competing with UW and you're competing with Wazoo and you're competing with Gonzaga and, and Idaho they, and Idaho and us here at the University of Montana. So like when you when you look at where Eastern Washington sits, there that's a slippery slope. Like you're you're losing just we're not even talking about kids from out of state. You're losing in you're losing in state. 
for sure. Both in, you're losing to in-state schools and to out-of-state schools just to do, do location. So how does that location affect... Location and also pride in, in the university, right? That's Bingo. the other thing is, it, I mean... Association. It's, it's like, it's like I, I don't want to be crass, but it's like the running joke in Washington. What does every person that go to Eastern Washington have in common? They all couldn't get into UW or Wazoo. Exactly. Right? And so then, even if you grew you know, you grew up on the east side of Washington, you're a Wazoo fan, okay, but you want to be a teacher, so you go to Eastern, but you're still a Wazoo fan. You're right. still probably driving to Pullman 45 minutes down the road to go to the Wazoo game. Yep. You grew up in Seattle, but you want to be a journalism major, so you go to Eastern Washington, but you're still driving to Seattle to go to the Husky game. You're still wearing your, your dogs. Your purple and gold. Exactly, on campus. And so that's the other big issue is pride in the place you went to school because... You know, how does Eastern Washington not have any boosters or endowment or anything like that to help uh, mitigate this issue? Well, they don't. They only have an $8 million endowment. That's crazy. Even a small school like Montana has like a $200 million endowment. How can you only have $8 million? I mean, Cooper Cup makes three times that much in a year. How does he not help them out? You know what I mean? So uh, there's also the definitive challenge that they have where you got people that are going there or went there or alums from there and how much pride do they actually take it where they came from? Very little. So so when you look at it from that perspective, the dividends are not paying returns. And and that's a problem. When you don't have that school pride, like say a Montana does, you lose out year after year after year. And with all the hubbub that's surrounding the school right now, what does that do for your five-year outlook? It is not bode well for the Eagles of Eastern Washington. This has been the most endless conversation about a... Uh, organization that resides outside of the state of Montana that we've ever had, and it will continue because I find it just utterly fascinating because it's a microcosm for what small school athletics is, but also, and I, I'll say it again, this has been my line for the duration of this conversation, the majority of people that care about the validity and existence of Eastern Washington athletics live in the state of Montana. And that's why we're going to continue to talk about it. That's their issue, but that's also why we're going to continue to talk about it. Hour one in the books, hour two coming at you. Let's go. We got our Sports Medicine Journal Short one this week, but Michael Wright, an orthopedic surgeon at uh, Missoula Bone and Joint, he will stop by for just a minute to talk about hamstring injuries when it comes to track, particularly if you tear your hamstring and you might need an orthopedic surgeon Mm. to help Mm. you out. Mm. And we're also going to talk about all things NBA, including why does everybody hate on all these guys no matter who they are? If you're LeBron James, they hate you. If you're Steph Curry, they hate you. Keep it right here. It's 1029 ESPN Missoula. Get commencement ready at the Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Their grad fair sale is going on right now if you visit msubookstore.org. Free regalia? When you purchase a diploma frame at the MSU Bookstore, you can obviously visit the MSU Bookstore on the Montana State campus. The Montana State Bookstore, your best place for blue and gold on game day or any other day. Visit on campus or at msubookstore.org. 